0: Okay, we'll try to sum up the next hour and uh, 50 minutes or so everything everyone want to know about taking care of kids on Shabbos. So we'll try to uh, go through. Obviously, it's very hard to do justice to Shabbos in an hour and 15 minutes, but we'll try to at least highlight some of the more uh, relevant Shabbos that, uh, that do come up. So <clears throat> we'll begin with a topic that's, of course, uh, very relevant to taking care of kids, and that's the issue of feeding kids. Everyone has to eat, little babies have to eat. And the question becomes, what kind of Shabbos come up in terms of Shabbos, most common in terms of uh, babies, children, etc.? So uh, one of the common shadows revolves around a Gemara that appears in Mesach HaShavas in the seventh paragraph, where it talks about a potential violation of the malacha of Tokheim, where it talks about chopping up foods being a potential violation of grinding. Now, obviously, the original malacha, as we described, uh, is the malacha of actually taking uh, wheat and grinding it up into flour to make bread. The Gemara says that a If a person takes a vegetable and cuts it up into little pieces, that could potentially be a violation of token as well. So the truth to be told, the Gemara doesn't actually use that phrase, chotasyer The Gemara says something that many interpret interpreted to mean that, not all Rishonim interpreted to mean way, but the holds that interpretation, so we're going to be working with that interpretation for now. But taking a vegetable or fruit or maybe other kinds of foods and cutting it into potential little pieces may be a problem of token. So this of course raises a potential red flag in terms of feeding the little children very right often, rightfully so. You want to cut food into little pieces. We really don't want to make a joke. So uh, what possibilities exist in order to, in a sense, circumvent this problem? So, the Rishonim have a big question. What exactly does the Gemara I mean when it says, when many Rishonim the cut into little little pieces, how little is little, how big is big? What constitutes the point of tokens It goes without saying that, if I take an apple and I cut it into half, most probably not token. That somehow doesn't look like it's uh, too dark for our purposes. You cut it to quarters. Hey, at what point you say something is Dak Dak? So don't feel bad if you don't know the answer to that question. But the last minute, uh, Say for Sefi ran the time of a couple didn't know the answer to that question. He says, we're not sure. Chazal never tell us exactly how much is called a Dak Dak to be a violation of Tokhin. Therefore, one should be careful. One should be concerned that if it starts to get too small, that could potentially be a problem. How small is that? Very, very unclear what, that, what the size of that small is. So the um, Rashba has a tremendous chiddush about the malacha of tochei that will become very important for us in terms of preparing uh, baby uh, things. The Rashba tells us that the only time that cutting up a vegetable is considered to be a problem of tochei is only if it's not being done right before the meal. But if it's being done right before the meal for immediate use, so that is okay. How did the Rashba know such a distinction? The Gemara has that in the Shabbos. These are of The Gemara says that. B'er is, learn the with this separating bad for good, good whatever the mulachah b'er is exactly. Any kind of separation, so the Gemara says that under certain circumstances, if you do it right before the meal, it's going to be okay. So I reiterate by saying under certain circumstances, the Gemara doesn't say that all b'er is mutter before the meal, but sometimes burr is mutter. Why is doing something before the meal a factor? Except a person wants to cook right before the meal. You child, if you're allowed to cook right before the meal, that's ridiculous. So the Rishonim explained that there are certain malachas that lend themselves to be called not Derech Malacha, rather Derech achila. It is assumed that you're allowed eating, eat or So even though in the process of eating, you sometimes do acts of virus. Eating, things that move around your mouth a little bit, that's okay. Whatever's considered to be Derech achila is by definition going to be mutta. So now the Gemara Shachat says that you can do things even, not literally Bishas achila, but as long as they are pretty much close to achila, they're otos, right? for So some malachas lend themselves to that category of Derech achila. Bishel was not one of those malachas. Uh the re are not any of those kinds of Certain malachas lend themselves to that kula of sabaklachil and certain don't. So the only problem is the only one that the Gemara singles out is the malachah of Rashba Rashbah, Rashba Rashba's research he was able to extrapolate. He said that Mustabah, the malachah of Taikhil also lends itself to that. And therefore, the lot of up fruits and vegetables as long is right before the so not all the Mishnah accepted this Rashbah, but there are more quotes, this Rashbah. The Ramah is like this Rashma. But then the later post, Mishnah writes that we're not so sure we felt this Rashma So therefore, writes a little bit of a Mishnah. writes that what he recommends what we should do is that if they want to do cutting up fruits and vegetables, they should try to be careful about two things. First of all, they should do it right before the meal. So that way, at least they have their Imam to rely on. And even though not all Mishnah the accepted their Imam, what they should do is also cut it into not such small pieces because the Savior already told us that if it's not so small, it's going to be mudder anyway. Again, we don't know where that line of demarcation is, but since if it's not so small, it's probably going to be anyway, so if you combine those two factors, so you're pretty safe. So Those are the guidelines that the guru gives. Again, there's nothing to do with kids. The so general guidelines, that if you're making a salad, cutting up fruit, vegetables, etc., try to do it right before the meal, and try to make sure that pieces aren't so small. So, what's called right before the meal, so the, um, not clear exactly what are writes, but he thinks that right before the meal means almost like the last thing being done, right as you're getting ready to sit down. So if a person uh, wants to take a walk on, uh, before lunch, so you shouldn't do all your food preparations before the walk, you should first take your walk, and then you come back from your walk, and then you begin to do your final prep of the food. That's considered to be right before the meal. So that haggadar, the Ramesha, should probably be carried over to this as well. So you follow the guidelines of the Mishnabura, so then as long as you keep these two things in mind, you're going to be okay. You don't cut the pieces too small, and you also do it right before the meal. So the thought that we really Pascha like the Rashba, the are we really like the Rashba. And you don't have to be so careful about the sizes that uh, you can do it, finish it, put to so you allowed to do things right before the meal. But again, the Shabu himself didn't hold that one. It's this the question that presents itself in terms of cutting little pieces for kids, which is true for any adults also, that opens up the possibility of a, of a very, very real concern in terms of, Chavis, in terms of preparing food for kids, particularly the issue of mashing. Well, a very common kind of a food. So you want to you want the kid to eat a banana, something. So you want to mash a banana before uh, before you serve it to the child. So the kid's not eating a whole banana. He wants to mash banana. So what's the then? So the Chazanish has a tremendous chumrah when it comes to mashing bananas. The Chazanish held the mashing bananas. is is of Government that says that. None of the kulas that we just mentioned are going to apply. First of all, the Chazdish wasn't the biggest supporter of the kula of Saba Chasuda. He didn't think that Mikr didn't hold the Rashbah. He was against the Ramadi. He might think that did like the other Rishonim. And number two, the Chazdish had a chidish. Because he said that the kula of Saba only makes sense on something that's not absolute objective turchin. Let's say, for example, cutting a vegetable. Cutting a cucumber, yeah, not maybe, and maybe, maybe no. So the halachas kaver, that's called uh, that's called taichin, provided that's not done in the context of derch hachila. You we know, have something which is so absolute, crystal clear, it's the, it's the ultimate act of taichin, it's the objectively taichin, then doing a derch is lama of it's not going to help you at all. So the chazmish was of the opinion that mashing bananas are considered to be absolute, outright taichin, and therefore no cool is under the sun is going to help. So you can't do it, tzavu the chazmish didn't even buy, uh, buy into the kool of chazmish. So the mash of the chazmish says, is ma'amish is a government deraisi chazmish kila. So then the Chazmish turned around and says, but, the kidneys of a banana, well, you know, <coughs> the said, no problem, do a keleach If you do it with the back of a spoon or something, you do it in abnormal fashion, so then it's going to be mutalechat <laughs> Those are the two famous comments of the Chazmish about mashing bananas. One was that he didn't accept the rash, but he thought even the rash but wouldn't accept the rash in this case. And then number two, he thought that what is okay with <laughs> keleach would, would the front of the spoon be okay? Yeah, maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe the front. also a fork, because a fork, that's a normal way. So Ramesha Feinstein wrote in the chubba that he doesn't understand this Chaznish that he didn't understand the Chaznish and he doesn't understand the Kul of the chaznish. He doesn't understand the Chum of the chaznish, because Ramesha thought that this is not called Teichin altogether. So the Tzura Malach of Teichin means that you take a big item and you cut it into little pieces. Like, great, you take a big piece of wheat and you chop it up into little, little pieces of particles of flour. You take a big cucumber and you cut it into a million little pieces. But when you take a banana and you mash it up, Ramesha says, it's the same Chaznish. It's just one piece, it hasn't been spread out. It's been spread out as one pulverized lump, but it's not it's not separate entities, not separate particles. And therefore it's lacking in the very definition of the Malach of Taikh Therefore, the Ramosha thought that it should be heterogombra under all circumstances to manage bananas. And then Ramosha said that that even if you can argue with me that maybe it's like why should it be also some of probably right, the Rashad's probably right, why is this objective of What does that mean? And then number three, Rabbi says said, that even if the chaznish is right, that's also, so then he doesn't understand the kula. If it's really, really, truly also, if it's really a nisa isa, then doing a keliyach should not make it mutter. Usually doing things keliyach knocks it down to being a derabonim, so it should be a nisa So how does, the, how does using a spoon, using the back of fork or something, make it into being mutter? So Rabbi throws his hands up and he says, that uh, I don't think the chaznish was, is, was right, but I don't think his hata is right either. You don't need his hata, it's never also. You only have to be mouth for something that's also. So Ramiush says that, but at a difference of the Chazanish, we should be Chayish with him because according to the Hiddu Chazanish, nobody should mash bananas. But Ramiush says, but you don't have to be more mach than the Chazanish himself; you can mash it So Ramiush turns around and he says that we should follow the Chazanish, even though we don't understand the whole thing it's not too much. But lemaisa, Ramiush said that's what you should do at a difference of the Chazanish. So that's why in, uh, most of the Sfarim are about this topic. That's what they write: you want to mash bananas, okay? You, you should mash it So even though in the heart of hearts we're not so sure that that's one hundred percent true, but uh, that's that was the. That was the P'sach and the that was the Hadrach of Ramayish, that's what has become the, the accepted opinion today, that those who want to mash banana, should try to do it, uh, try to do it. So again, so in terms of preparing the food, in terms of the Malach of so it's something that you have to keep in mind, you have to be careful about and again, some of the things to be aware of are the issues of cutting up. the smaller of fruits and vegetables, so Rash, from the M'shtimura, Hashok, and we added that part of the sugya. then you move into the other part of the sugar in terms of, uh, in terms of the issues relating to the mashing. There's another malacha that becomes very, very relevant in terms of bringing food, and that's in terms of bringing baby food, baby cereals. One of the early things that kids to eat once they go to salads is they start to eat these yummy, delicious uh, baby cereals. They usually stay on them for about uh, 10 minutes or so because they really look yummy and delicious. So there's oat cereals and rice cereals and, and different generations that change and what's supposed to happen. When I was in, when, I was in, I was in, when my kids were little, so we started out with, uh, I think you went from rice to oats and you go throughout different sheets of the different pediatricians along the way, but the bottom line is there are certain stages where the doctors have recommended to mixing these kinds of uh, cereals. What's the problem making these cereals? The making of the cereals involves mixing the powder of the cereal together with water, mixing it up, making a, a pasty kind of an oatmeal. So that raises a very, very serious potential problem of alisha. And if you take a little powdery stuff and you mix it together with a liquid and you more make, a, make a, a mixture together, mix a paste together, that's a potential shal of alisha. So that could be a potential malacha deer isa, the preparation of these kinds of cereals. And we don't find that some of Chesuit is going to help us for Lisha. So what possible ways would there be to prepare such a cereal? The so are reading the end of set second talks about two ways to potentially uh, circumvent the Malachah of Lisha. But it involves a better understanding of what Malachah of Lisha is all about. So there's a big at Tanaim. exactly what point in time is Lisha violated? Is Lisha violated at the time when the flour hits the water? It's a classic Lisha making a dough. At the time that the flour hits the water, or Alicia Lisha at the time that you do is called gibel, when you start to actually mix it together. Literally, you know, you start to pull out the rolling pin and start to actually mix it together. So, the like that At the end of the day, it doesn't make much of a difference. At the end of the day, when you need something, you know, at one point you put the CSMI and then lady do the gibble. So, Lamai said, you took flour, water, and made it into, uh, into bread, so then you will have, you will have violated Lisha somewhere along the way. Why does it make a difference which point of Lisha is so critical? So the Gemara talks about the possibility of doing lisha Kilya ayad. So the certain circumstances, and again, this is go back to what we said before, sometimes keliyach may actually be mapped to certain things, and in the lisha, we actually find this in Chazal that doing lisha in an abnormal fashion may actually be mutalichetchila. The only thing is, it's critical to do the shina, to do Kiliyah ayad, at the right time, at the right moment. If I do keliyach before the shahs malachah, I do keliyach ayad after the malachah, that's not going to be a shina. Let's say on a shina. I walk into a room standing on my head, and then I scan on my feet and I turn on the light. That's not called yachayat because I, I turn on the light normally. So a guy walks in the room, turns the light, and then scans on his head. So what does that have to do with the shinra? Shinra has to be done simultaneous with the time of the malacha. So if you want to know when the shinra has to be practiced to be matha leisha, you have to first isolate when is the moment of truth, when is the moment in time that leisha is actually violated. So since there's machleik as a machleke, and it's a machleik as a about a basket, it's very, very unclear. So therefore, the haloha, we're not going to be matha leisha outright unless a shinoi is accomplished at both of the times, both at the time of the Siddhi Sanaim, as well as the time of Giba. What possible shinuyim are available to us at those two times? So the Gemara discusses both possible shinuyim, the Gemara talks about shinui within the, the time slot of the Siddhi Sanaim. The Gemara says the Shinui the time of the Siddhi Sanayim could, could uh, be accomplished by as follows, could be accomplished by, by uh, switching the order of things. Let's say normally you put the powder in first and then the water in, so vice versa. On Shabbos, you do it the other way around. Or if it's normal to put in the water first, then you switch it around and do the powder first. Whatever the shinoi is, whatever the derech is, around the week, so doing it in the abnormal fashion would constitute the shinoi, for the sinus and iron. The only problem is, that's not enough. That's only one shinoi. What about those tanoi? those who say that, that the shinoi has to be practiced at the time of gibel. So what would the shinoi basha's gibel mean? So the Gemara talks about doing gibel shasi, the air of motion. Instead of Mamish slips, motion, mushing it around. You do it in a crisscross kind of motion. So I have a mixture of some kind of a flowery, powdery thing, some water or something. I want to do a the So instead of taking a spoon and mamash, mamash mixing it, to do it like this. Kazimierz says that in order for that to be a shino, you have to do dum, take it out of the thing, and put it back in, get out of the They'll take it till next Shabbos until the thing starts to mix together, but at least you'll accomplish that it's a keliyach so those are two of the shinuim. Shinu, shinu b'shas says system, I'm. the b'shas the people. If you want to talk about a few others, you could shake it around. You could use your finger, maybe. Preferably wash your finger. You a lot of different things that can be done to do it kliyach hayad. So therefore, the pesky the right, bray. If you want to be <coughs> the lishia, any after potentially lishia shabbos, you have to be careful to meet both of those criteria. What if you're not clear the order? Oh, it's overdone and set. So then there's another. Then there's another uh, monkey wrench thrown to the system. The Gemara, the end of the set of shabbos, talks about two different kinds of believers kinds of mixtures. It's what's called a blula ova, and a la raka. A la ova means a thick, uh, a thick kind of a dough. A raka is more like a pancakey, more of a portable kind of a batter. So the Gemara seems to say that only ova is a Dera He said raka is only a darabonah. So the way many apostles can end up learning the sugya, it could be that all the only work when any way you deal with a Dera And if you already have a blila raka, then the work. And if you have a blue ova, then nothing helps. And other folks can say no. The post can learn this thing as yes, being that even for blue la'ava, these are the things that are going to work. So where does that put us in terms of this whole mixture? So in the we would try to make a blue rock, but we don't want to get involved in teraisers here. So we don't want to even touch a blue la'ava. So we would recommend that if you're mixing up the, the powder with the water, try to make it as loose uh, as possible. The problem is making it loose because it tastes miserable. I eat it anyway, so you, want to, you have to make it a little thicker. So nebuch, you have to make it a drop thicker than you would have wanted to. So do, can we avail ourselves of these two So you have to be careful. So you have to make a shinibishas So what's the shinoyim? you have to ask yourself, well, what do I do during the week? So who here makes baby cereal? I so do make baby cereal. So how do I make baby cereal? What's should we week? You have no idea what to do. That's That's the worst answer possible. So if the answer is that either I can do it either way, so then some folks can say that there's no shin so and and then there's no way to do it. So, some say you follow what it says in the back of the of the bottle. Whatever it says in the back of the can, do the opposite. That's the shiri. Mm-hmm. So, um, who makes the uh, gerbers? Or whoever? that uh, It's one way. So, it's hard to know. So if there's a set way of doing it uh, during the week, then you could potentially have a shiri. What about the be Bishaz Gibel? So, what do you do? You do crisscross, you to get a it's going to mix. It's a waste of time. So, what do you do? You're going to shake it, it's not going to work. Your finger, put a glove on, shave it with your finger. Don't tell your wife what to do with The finger. So, maybe that's a shiri. At the end of the day, it's not so easy to make baby in the So if you really, really have to, so you have to try to uh, do it as rakish as possible. And you have to try to do a little bit of a shitty at uh, stage number one, a little bit of a shitty at stage number two, and hope the best. Again, it's not the best uh, best setup, but the lace braver, those who have to, would have, would have to avail themselves of these two different shitty At what point is something considered uh, a thin mixture? Thin, thin usually means that's pourable. Thick means you turn it upside down, it plops as a ball. That's usually like a dough versus a pancake batter. That's a Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, I don't think it has to be necessarily baked in order to. Yeah. There's another uh, potential malacha that's involved whenever we're dealing with, uh, with babies, and those are malachas are involved in terms of nursing. So the, the very active nursing is a potential uh, malacha, because the Gemara says, Al Cholab is a part of a person who milks a cow. So that's, according to most opinions in the Rishon, that's in a What malacha does that fall under? So that's also a big, big question. The Gemara says, a Cholab is Chayav. So, where the Rishonim are running all over the place, out. There are only third-nine choices. So, uh, there can be more than third-nine So, there are about four or five different sheathers in Rishonim as to which Malach exactly is it. So, according to probably most of the opinions in Rishonim, it falls under the category of Malachas Disha. Malachas Disha means to thresh. The same way when I have, let's say, some grain and the grain is surrounded with an outer coating and I exert pressure on the grain to get the grain part out of the surrounding, that's the essence of the of Disha. So too, when I have, I have milk inside the cow, and I exert pressure on the cow, and press on the udder to get the milk out, that's considered to be malachas dish. That's, uh, that's the way the Rabbim says it. The reason why that's a problem, why would anybody uh, veer away from that That's the simplest shot, because the Gemara says that dish karka. So it's, so that would lead us to believe that cows grow on the ground, which is hard to believe, unless you say that cows eat grass which grows on the ground, so therefore they're the gidulah, that's the, that's the, that's the, on the of Shabbos, remember that's the root of the entire problem. That's the Namam Shita is very straightforward, but it's very problematic as well. So because of that problem, other Visham give other reasons, we should called it call the uh, and other things some Mishan said the Abana, You have an array of different Shitas as to what it could possibly be, but when all the dust uh, half a dozen other possibilities, when all the dust settles, we assume that moving cows is a is a so, If that's the case, then nursing should be also. The answer is no, that's okay. When the person is nursing, in the, in the, in the context of nursing, so we assume that that doesn't fall into the category of Disha. Why exactly is that? That's, that's a little bit unclear. Why is all of a sudden nursing not a malachat So we assume that there's some kind of a reason why that's true. I and long, different Tuskim, as to why that phenomenon is true. But nobody ever asked of nursing of The problem is, what if a woman wants to extract milk, and she can't nurse right now. let the baby is not feeling well, she has an infection, has the baby's in the hospital, she's not up to something. There's some kind of a situation that arises that makes it impossible for her to nurse. On the other end, she wants to extract the milk. If she's not nursing, why does she want to extract the milk? For two reasons. So first of all, just the milk being there is very painful for her. It's not childcare child care, It's just a nursing mother problem. And number two, she may not be able to nurse the baby now, but she, does, but she wants to you know, extract the milk stick it in the, either put it into a bottle and feed it to the baby later, or maybe stick it into the freezer and serve it to the baby in a month from now. So what are the parameters of that? So again, if she's directly nursing the baby from the mother's body, that's at the gomor. But if it's being done in this roundabout way, that you're extracting milk either just to alleviate the woman's pain or to feed the baby later, what are the parameters of that? So the Rishen, really we talked talk about this, and the, this is part of the very, very... Uh, famous sugey that appears uh, in Tzim, the Moshevim, and about, uh, all the kibbutzim, the Moshevim of Eretz Yisrael, about Choleh B'Shabes, all the issues of milking cows and Shabbos, it basically boils down to as follows, that, true, you're not allowed to milk a cow, or for this matter, in this sense, milk to the milk from the, extract the milk from the mother on Shabbos, but what you are allowed to do is, you're allowed to do it in a way that would only be a violation of the Rabbanu. Why is that? Well, how why gives you the right to violate the Rabbanu, Tzab or in this case, Tremendous Tzaregu for the woman. And the woman's going to be in tremendous pain if she doesn't uh, nurse and to be mad, to, to prevent that tremendous pain, she's going to build up, she's going to get infections. So, to prevent that kind of complications, so she is permitted to violate what would otherwise be a Dirabanan. The only problem is we have to make sure that it's a Dirabanan. Isn't Tariq also Dirabanan? So, Tzad is in the Gemara, where Tzad al is said and the Gemara actually says that Al-Ansad and al is Dirai, said override certainly Surah Al Not all, but certainly Surah So, this is one of the examples in Shulmanarach that we would permit. Let's say if you have a cow. That the cow suffering, and so you're not allowed to milk the cow in a way that's their ice, but you would be able to milk the cow in a way that's very What does that mean? How do you, milk, how do, you do something to abundance? So, the traditional farmer way of doing it in the cows throughout Europe, the practice always was to do it like they go in, you know, go in, come and milk, you're to milk, yeah, it's really hard, but it's not their abundance. Well, it's not a problem at all. That's the way all the Frum Jews used to milk the cows in, uh, in Europe for their red but then uh, the issue became, when they came to Israel, for so those who know a little bit about the politics, back in the 1920s, so there was a big movement called Odaivrit, they wanted only the Jews to do all the work, they didn't want any going to do any work, so it uh, may have been partially prompted by security and partially by ideology, but the bottom line is they didn't want any of the Arabs to be walking around the farms and uh, milking the cows, and well, now the problem comes that the goyim are not doing it, so yeah. the Jews do it, oh, that's gonna be a derisa. So you have to come up with some kind of a kunst that it's only a derambah. already the we're really gonna talk about this later possibly the Chazim, a lot about this, basically boils down to as follows that if you do what's called or Ibur, if you milk the cow in such a way that the milk is going to be discarded. So if you milk the cow in a way that you're discarding the milk, so that's not really considered to be a derisa for multiple reasons. First of all, it's a malach shayat chichlaguf. It's a malach done for a completely different purpose than it was done in the Mishkan. In the Mishkan, the malach of Disha was done to use the item, not to throw it into the garbage. And number two, it could be, is even better than, in the it could be, is dish of the a zayn derach Disha b'chlaw. It's actual malaches Disha b'chlaw. And other sham says, it's to So whatever cool is applied to the cows, applied to the women, it's all the same idea. That if the woman wants to extract the milk to use the milk, that's a very, very serious problem. But if she wants to extract the milk to simply remove it because it's bothering her, and she's going to throw it into the garbage, so that's called chalav ibr, and that's going to be muddah to prevent her from being in such uh, physical pain. So that's what the post say al ha said today, that when a woman is uh, not comfortable and the baby's not able to nurse, so we insist that she take out the milk, but she takes out the milk in a way that wouldn't be a derai, namely by discarding the milk. So what she cannot do is, she cannot, let's say, extract the milk, put it into a bottle, and then feed it to the baby an hour later. That's, that's awesome. She can't take the milk, put it in the bottle, put it in the freezer and serve it next month, when she goes to work. That she can't do either. Any kind of saving the milk in any shape or form is going to undermine the entire cooler. So the milk has to be discarded. Have to be total. So no, it would have to be, only, the only time it could be if it's mamish nurse. If the baby's mamish nursing, that's not called an active dish. But if it's extracted and then fed a minute later, that would be a potential So it has to be there is a further shadow of the post what is chav Let's say she collects the milk, so she has a pump, so she has a hand pump, the old style pump. She pumps the milk out, and It collects into a receptacle, a little cleaner, and she takes it and throws it down the drain. So if you would have asked me, I would have said, that's also called Chov because it's going to be discarded. So the Chaznish said, even that's not, he's not sure that's called Chov He thought that Chov has to be, that it has to be le means immediately. And therefore, the Chaznish insisted that if you're pumping into a, into a receptacle, you have to put a little dish soap or something, put some, 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 some junk into the bottom of the pump Beforehand, that the milk should be become nifsa right away. The milk shouldn't, shouldn't collect even for a split second. Not everyone agreed to that. Chaz- it's really very of Payam like We've shown him why Cholivar is really But again, not for now. So there are different opinions about that. But everybody agrees that what you cannot do is you can't just collect the milk, put it in the freezer, or use it, and feed it to the baby an hour later. Unless there's an issue to nefesh. If there's an issue to obviously everything's going to be okay. Now this becomes very, very tricky. At what point you say this is to nefesh? So if you have a very, very small baby that's, uh, the baby never had formula, it's not going to have formula, and the only thing the baby's living on is the mother's milk, and let's say the baby, for whatever reason, can't nurse down, the mother has an infection, There's some kind of reason that we can't actually nurse, and the doctors say that we need X amount of milk to feed the baby, what are you going to do? So you have to go to the medicine. The baby's not going to fast for 24 hours. Well, you have lace brera, so you have to pump out the milk, and you have to collect the milk, no soap, and you're feeding it to the baby, and then give it to the, give the milk to the insurance. But if it's not really piguach nefesh, the doctor says, no problem, we'll give him a formula, big deal. So uh, the baby takes formula and doesn't really need the milk right now, So then that's not called piguach nefesh, it's a little bit of HVH. If you don't know, if you're not sure, you have to earn a side of caution, piguach nefesh is uh, even suffering. So you have to try to assess what the situation is, whether that would fall under any category of piguach <coughs> nefesh whatsoever. If it does, then obviously it's more, if it's not, then one should avoid it. And the baby doesn't- that's the question. Why is that? So it could be that's called eichah uh, it Could be that's called the milk that's coming right out of the mother's uh, body is called mafrid Like cutting an apple in uh, are different lumbuses as to what some say. It really, it is a malacha, but if the baby doing the malacha, it's a fina be uh, there are A lot, a lot of different lumbuses and reasons why. But at the end of the day, it's about the nurse. At the end of the day, it's also to extract. Uh, no. So, especially with small babies, so sometimes the mother will express a little bit more to get on the and on the baby's lips. Would that be yeah. okay? Yeah, you <coughs> do it do it independently before not not as uh, not mommish not as because the baby's not doing it, the bottom line, the mother's doing it. That's a little trickier. Yeah, you know, again if you argue that the baby won't be able to eat without it and the baby's not up to having formula, then maybe you can call that over the show of a child to up, Otherwise that may be uh, a problem. Is the problem that they need to apply pressure? Well, just the mere—that's disha. Disha, according to the Rambam sheet, at least, that just as you can't squeeze the udder of the of the cow, so you can't put a pump on the express to cause the milk to come out. And that's what caused the milk to come out. And when the baby's either suffering or if you make uh, you make a mimic the sucking by putting on a pump. You just answer? What was the question? The question is, a lot of times the beginning like with woman has trouble getting like yeah. baby does. Suck, so she's in the first. Yeah, again, if, if the baby really needs it and there's no nervous about what to feed the baby otherwise, it's just small babies, and maybe it's probably if it's not really good, the then you'd have to think about whether that would be okay. So, Reggie said that if it's a child, like the woman is, is unable to feed the baby. So some of you have situations where, where, let's say the baby's in the hospital, or oh, the mother's in the, the hospital, baby, or but there, there could be a million different things. The mother has an infection. The mother, there could be a million reasons why the mother will be can't nurse right now. Well, well, how is she able to pump the milk and save it right now? She can't? No, no. So some, sometimes, just practically, let's say a woman has an infection in that area, so sometimes it's very, it may be uncomfortable for her to nurse. It may oh. be easier for her. But again, there could be different medical reasons. So the baby may be, uh, yeah. the baby could be in ICU. The mother's fine. You know, there could be a lot, a lot of things that are going on. Okay. Like You'll need the milk. You'll need to save the milk. You instance. want to save the baby. So, in theory, say if it wasn't Shabbos, what would happen under normal circumstances? Let's say the baby's uh, not nursery right? and the baby's in the hospital now. So what the mother would probably do is she would probably pump now. She wants to continue pumping. Otherwise, her but she'll, uh, milk supply will dry up. So she wants to continue pumping, and she'll stash it. So what most women do. The woman goes to work. So she's, yeah, she goes to. All women do that. So she she stores up uh, hundreds of bottles of milk. So every time. She usually, women, produce more milk than the baby actually needs. So she'll, so she'll, she'll save whatever milk she can, and she'll store it in the, fr- stick it in the freezer. When the baby goes to the babysitter next week, so she'll give the, the babysitter will defrost the bottle and give it to the baby. So if it wasn't Shabbos, that's what we would do under these circumstances. The problem is you can't do that in Shabbos. There's another problem that sometimes comes up with these, with these expressing uh, milk stories is that most women don't use hand pumps. Those are like from like from the 1950s. People, all people use the machine pumps. Everything is electrical now. So the problem is, there's a whole other problem. See, even if you can put the the pump on, so even if you can do chil but how how you turn the pump on? It's all on. Uh, it's all electricity. So the best situation would be, is you you can hook it up to a uh, Shabbos clock. That would be uh, that would be great. But it's not always so practical, depending on how many uh, settings you have in your clock. It's not it's not always so pleasant. The best best situation is if you can get a going. If you have a neighbor, you have a nurse or somebody to turn on the pump. That's great. And then the good news is, if you really have that, then you could probably save the milk. Because if you have a guy doing the molach you anyway, so let's say if the woman, let's say they put the thing on her, and then the guy presses the button, so it's the guy who's doing the milking. The guy is doing the extracting. So that's a yachom, but That's mutter for mochom chayla. Little babies chayla, babies need the milk. So you could probably save the mochden anyway. So if you have a guy around, that would make life easier for you. But if you don't have a guy, it's 2 o'clock in the morning, and you want to use a hand pump or something, then you have to start the things that we said before. you know in the ministry? Yeah, but the milk is usually better otherwise the world nursing because it's usually assumed uh, that, that uh, the mother's milk is the best thing for the babies. That's called Saria Yeah, but, uh, you said, uh, you the only thing is said, to the you a medical bucket, so the goy has to put it on her, or she can put it on and the goy can just press the bucket. Uh, it's probably okay for the for, for the person to put it on to for the for the Jew to put it on themselves and have the goy press the bucket. It it's probably uh, probably okay. Okay, good. All right, let's move on to uh, the next malachah that could sometimes uh, run into problems. It also relates to food. That's bishul. Talk about food. That's all about bishul. If you don't have a goi, you don't have a shahat clock. Is there any... So the, any... The best thing is you have to do, Kiriach, yeah, That's probably of the basis that we'll talk about later on. Okay, so bishul uh, is always a potential issue, so you have to be careful not to cook for the babies. Okay? That means you can't cook bishul to either. But um, sometimes you have an issue in terms of heating your bottles. Let's say you, you go to your, to your stash of uh, bottles is sitting in the freezer, and you want to uh, warm up. You don't want to give ice cold bottle for babies. You want to warm it up a little bit. So is that a potential problem of visual If you normally you, you would do is you would stick it in hot water, you run that water or something. So is that a problem of bishul? So obviously you can't turn on the hot water in the house. That's for sure a problem because that's going to cause more cold water to go into the boiler. So that's in this visual. Uh, but let's say I want to stick it into a pot of the boiling water. I have a pot of boiling water sitting on the on the block. I Want to stick the stick the bottle into a pot or something. So is that a problem of bishul in terms of the in terms of the milk itself? So it depends. If you're heating up formula, so formula was already precooked. Formula is a, Dov uh, Vashem's already, and we apply the rule called Ein bishalach Even though the truth is, is that aim bishalach doesn't apply to Dov for and if it's a liquid that cooled down completely, it would be subject to bishal. So the Bishabura quotes in the Paskins will say that, that it's a bit of a cliché Since cooking things that are in a cliché itself is a big chiddish, it's a big chumrah, and yesh bishlach habish vodolach sheh n'tztanin is also bichomra, you you not a khuiv to combine both chomras together. So, Meshul Vipass can scared about children. Meshul Vipass is regularly that if you have a dovolach sheh n'sbash and sheh n'tztanin and now you want to put it into a klisheni, that's okay. So if you just take the hot water and you know, put it into a bowl or something, or something, so it's going to be klisheni water, so you take the hot water out of your own, let's say, and you know, put it into a, assuming that's klisheni, so now you want to stick it into the cup that's a shiny. that would presumably be okay. That's assuming that, uh, that the milk was already pre-cooked. That's only true if it was a formula, but if it's, if it's you know, mother's milk, it was never cooked ever. So that's a double lakshalom as basho cloud. So the question is, would that be a problem at all to stick that into a cup of hot water? Would that potentially heat up the, the, um, the milk? That's a very, very complicated story in terms of because Bishop we can't talk about all that now that depends on eras and cliches and the kleepers and the, it's your day slash we'll talk about that later but, and it, it could be it's uh, the kleep and the bottle itself was the kleep. so there are a lot, a lot of clues in that the bottom line is the milk is probably never going to get very hot anyway the goal is is not to make it yet to let us we don't want to burn the baby we just want to take a little bit of chill out of the milk so it's unlikely inside a, ba- a baby bottle that milk is not going to get all that hot anyway, so it's probably the whole thing is going to be milked. So, bottom line is if you want to stick in a bottle into water as long as the milk is not getting too hot anyway it's probably all going to be Okay, good. Alright, so now we have a very, very happy uh, baby, because the baby ate already and now we have to move on to other things, uh, other kinds of baby care. So, uh, another area where a lot, a lot of shadows come up is, is cleaning a baby up. So this is the whole issue of diapers. Many, many issues involved in uh, diapering babies. So we can try to break down some of the different shahs involved in diapering a baby. So the first shah is, is the (coughs) age before you even get the the diaper itself, just the very cleaning the baby itself is a potential problem. Of course, uh, usually during the week we use uh, baby wipes. So the question is, a baby wipes a problem on Shabbos. So what potential could it be? So it could be a problem of schita, feet is squeezing out, that we have a cloth that's wet, and you squeeze it out, so that could be a problem. Which malacha is that? So, it depends what you think about schita. So there are two potential malachas. One may be Dosh, one may be Libun, uh, the whole famous chesugya. Most yeshiva gochum know this from the toys subas. Most guys have never learned Shabbos, but they learned the toys subas That's where they learn all of the Shabbos from, from that toys in davav. So, uh, toys in davav, benetam, a brisket term, there are two kinds of schitas. One is schietim shimlibel, one is dash. But at the end of the day, if you have a cloth that's uh, you're squeezing something out of that, could pose a potential problem. So, the, the multi million dollar question the baby wipes is is that called a cloth that has a liquid in it that you're squeezing out? If the answer is yes, then you have a big, big problem with shamas. Why would anybody say no? So, there are many who claim that the liquid inside the aloe of a inside the cloth is not really inside the wipe. It's more surface on the wipe rather than absorbed into the wipe itself and therefore it's not really uh, considered to be uh, to be so That's a very questionable statement of the Matthias. So there are different obviously there are different opinions in the postcode about that. There's some postcode who permit baby wipes uh, legamarin who think that uh, it's not Balu on and therefore the totally moter. And there are others who are very, very weary about the pool and not so convinced that they're not Balu altogether. So Yeshviesh yes. I imagine that the Psaqah in most of your homes is going to be that baby wipes are going to be used. I didn't say who's going to be using them, but someone is going to be using the baby wipes. So those who use baby wipes, those who don't use baby wipes, you have to do it the old-fashioned way, water with your hands, or whatever, the old way of cleaning up babies. But some, uh, many, many people rely on the mechilam, and uh, it's hard to say most poskim, but there are, there are many gedolay poskim who are making to, uh, to use the baby wipes. So the baby wipes are very nice, but so what about the diaper? So we have to get the diaper off, get the dirty diaper off, get the clean diaper back on. So there are potentially uh, multiple malachas that are involved in m- multiple stages of opening and closing diapers. So when you take the diaper off, that may be a malach of kareya. The Rambam writes that hamafrid uh, the inyos is a violation of kareya in the Kareya in the Mishkan was kareya of material with sewing with thread. So the Rambam writes it doesn't make a difference whether it's material or whether it's paper. It doesn't matter whether it's thread or whether it's glue. If you have two things, two papers, that are glued together, if you open them up, that's called kareya. And then when you reese, when you stick them together again, the Ram says, that's called toifer. So when you open up a diaper, so you're taking all, you're doing one act of kareya, then you're throwing up the diaper, and then you have to open up another diaper, which there is another kareya, and then you have to re to close on the baby, you have malachas right and left. So what had of any apply to this? So there is a big machoikas like in Rishayinim about malachas of kareya and toifer, whether they are subject to leniency of Enosh al-Khayam. Enosh is a tricky is a tricky kula, we find it by some malachas and don't find it by other malachas. So there are more quotes to opinions and we show him about whether the Kool of of shall uh, kayama would be a matir for the Malachas of Kare and Toif. The Ramo writes that uh, probably Mutamikura Din, but we shouldn't tell anybody about it. It's bad to be Mufarsim. So the later post came right that the Ramo was probably concerned with being the in situations when you're using needles on thread, because that's like so unshabbist. Like you know, tell someone, you can really sew button as long as you're taking you off in an hour, that just doesn't look right. But but when it comes to these kinds of things, like the band-aids and diapers, it doesn't look so bad anyway. No one even thinks they're also anyway, so it's not going to such as zilzal shab. So therefore, if you really believe that Inner Shekholyam is mutar, so then that would be a great cool over here. So the opening and closing of diapers is always going to fall under the category of Inner Shekholyam. Is that really true? Even if we're willing to accept that, that that didn't have the that inner Shekholyam is a matir, the facts aren't even right. Why? Because, let's say, I want to take out a new diaper out of, the, out of the box. I take out my diaper, and there are adhesive tabs on the diaper. So I open up those adhesive tabs. Not all diapers have those tabs now. There are different ways of making diapers. We'll talk about in a second. But the old-style diapers, which some of them still exist today. But I want to open up the tabs. So why is that in a How long has that tab been around for? Initial a usually means less than 24 hours. That's not like a shom, But if it's, if it's more than 24 hours, that's a potential problem. When was the last time those two pieces of paper were not stuck together? 20 years, I don't know, whenever the pampers were made and uh, they were stuck together. So why is that called Enoshechayama? <laughs> so some Achoranim have a kinache, some Achoranim say that Enoshechayama could also mean, even though this particular item was actually stuck together for the last 20 years, but when it was originally stuck, it was stuck to be opened at moments noticed. I mean, wow. nobody in Mr. Pamp cared that it should stay together for a long time. It was stuck together to be opened at any given time. That's also called the Shebel <laughs> Enoshechayama. So that's already a kula gabi kula. You have to first accept the basic, the basic kula of Enesha and then you have to accept the watered-down version of to include this as well. If you're willing to accept both of those kulas, then you're in business. So then you can open up uh, the values. Some folks can said, maybe the first kula is good, but maybe the second kula is not so good. <coughs> so that's the case, if you're willing to accept the first cooler, but you do not want to buy into the second one, so maybe you can have a compromise and say, I don't want to open up the diaper directly out of the box on Shabbos, but what I'll do is as follows. I'll open up the sticky piece before Shabbos. you have to restick it. If you don't restick it, so it'll lose its stick. So I'll open it up uh, ten minutes full benching, like, and then I'll restick it again. And then when I need it, ten o'clock tonight, I need it eight o'clock tomorrow morning, it'll always be anal shell uh Kayama, And that'll be um, that, that way I'm only relying on the on the first cooler I don't have to I'm not be sure it's the second cooler. Even if you really have two days Yom that will still work, because even though we assume that the cutoff point that it was 24 hours, many people say it's really a week. It's not even necessarily 24 hours. So that wouldn't be so terrible. So in theory, you could have this practice that someone's going to open up uh, all the diapers from before Shabbos and then restick them again, and therefore they're, they're a little bit make but they don't have to be totally make La cooler, got be cooler. So uh, years ago, when my uh, kids were first born, so I used to try to uh, do that in the house, I used to try to uh, go out of my way to open up whatever you know, ten, fifteen, 12, whatever diapers I think we would need. So I'd open up X amount of diapers right for shops and then close them up again. So uh, we were doing this for a while until the we had a second child also, and the, child, the first child was still in diapers when the second child was born. And then there was a the three weeks in a row, like Chodesh Tishri of three day Yom Tovim. So it was two babies times three days of Yom Tov. So that was about let's say ten to fifteen diapers a kid. So that was you do the math. I was opening up 90 diapers there for Shana, 90 diapers there. So I had 375 diapers that were open and close. I said, "This is ridiculous." I said, well, this just over finished." I said, "Those who want to be makel have a right to be makel." So the psach became that uh, those in my family who want to be makel are makel. Those who want to be are You're probably not that hard to figure out who uh, who were on the cool team, who were on the chumertim. The B'chashem diapers have continued to be opened in the Sobolovsky home by different members of the Sobolovsky uh, spouses. Or one, one spouse, two spouses, husband and wife. So uh, my wife usually opens the diapers So I do six days a week. I mean, B'chashem, my youngest is 12 years old already, so we have nothing to do then in a while, but. But um, uh, that was the practice for many, many years. But again, this is assuming that enoshakayama is considered to be uh, okay. But then, wait—it's not the end of the story. So enoshakayama is a little shaky. The opening at first, but the closing the diaper is for sure enoshakayama. This baby's not going to be in a diaper for 24 hours. That's right. And if it is, then you should be—you uh, should take it away as a parent. I mean, you can't keep a dirty diaper for 24 hours. So you're going you're gonna to cl- close up the diaper right when you cleaned up the baby. You put on the diaper, close it up. It's going to come off in two, three hours from now. So that's the Now when you open up that diaper again, that's fight like the But now it gets tricky. Many people like to do when the diaper is, is dirty, and the mamash is dirty, so they don't want to take like a filthy, dirty diaper and just toss it into the garbage. What many people like to do is they like to re-tab it on itself so it doesn't spread into the whole garbage. So that's like my, my instinct. You know, natural instinct, people do that. They just tab up the diaper again. So some people say that's a problem. Why is that a problem? Because that's Shul that last tabbing, is no, no one's going to your, into your garbage in the next 24 hours, or the next week, or the next 20 years, to undo that, so you, Mammish, created a, a kashashon, a kayama, that's a t'raisa. So the opening up of the, of the diapers, nishkefillah, closing, oh, that's okay, but the last, not with batish, no pun, and that's the problem of Taifa. So there are some who will make on that also. One could argue that that's not really called Kayama. Why? Because I don't really want it to be Kayama. I want it to be Kayama until the garbage is picked up, until, until 10 minutes from now. Well, once it's in the garbage, I don't care what it's in the garbage can possibly whether the diaper opens up or not. I don't want it to open up on the way to the garbage. Once it's in the garbage, I don't care what happens. So maybe that's not called the Shaqayamah uh, because even though it's physically Shaqayamah but it's not intentionally Shaqayama. That's a very, very uh dakhastic of the As to how do you define Kayamah? Is Kyama defined by the Metsias what's going to happen? Or is defined like as long as you want. So there was a one of the most fascinating rides that was brought to the Shad. It was brought by the Marl Diskin. It's, it's one of the collector's items. So uh, if you want to share this with somebody in Yom Kippur, uh, is a good time to share it. The Diskin brought a rai from the Salah Zozol. The So the Mishnah says that when they tossed the Salah Zozol off the cliff, so they tied a uh, string around the horns. So the Marl Diskin said, What's the they Now do kaysha. The d'chila itself is b'chasham. That's the avod is But it gives you the head to tie the string around to see whether it's red or white, whatever what's, what's uh, what happened was that. So he says, no, the answer must be it's anashakayama. So he says, what do you mean ena It's gonna remain tied to the horn in the animal with derris on the bottom of the sun the cliff it's gonna remain tied. So what the answer? The answer is but I don't care what happens on the bottom of the cliff. I only care for the next two seconds. So for me it's only called uh, it's called anashakayama. That's why it's mutter. That was my real distance ride. Right. So others didn't think that was a good ride to the mouth of the diapers. They thought that maybe you no know, no, maybe the, the clip was different. And then maybe just as the Mishnah says that the animal was broken up to avar him so maybe the maybe the string fell off also in the process. So maybe it was really in the ah, It's hard to bring a raya, but that was a very very fascinating raya, lived way before Pampers existed. He didn't have the shadows of adhesive tabs. He never saw an adhesive tab in his life. But he came up with that simple term that would be used by the later post and him at the opening of the, of, the, of the closing of the Pampers. At the end of the day, what did you do with the Pampers in the end? Instead of putting it on the tabs or put it into a shopping bag or something and throw it out. The good news is, is that most people don't use Pampers anymore. Pampers still does the old stuff. if I'm not mistaken. Who here uses Pampers? Are Pampers? So Pampers, I think, still has the adhesive tabs. But Huggins doesn't, right? I think they have they're, they're Velcro. Okay. Yeah, I think that was like both. On the same one? I think so. just La Hacha, just to still make a problem. Yeah. So the Huggies I mean, and all the other brands have switched over because they were worried about this kind of this problem of Korea. So they switched over to a Velcro. So Velcro, we assume, was not a problem of and after all together. But those are still like the. They got the to say to use pamper so then they have to still deal with all these issues. So the best pay is by the other brands for Shabbos. At this the opening and closing before Shabbos. Closing it doesn't that. <coughs> no no no, no, no. Well, if, if I open it and close it so now when I'm opening it again three hours later I'm opening something that was only that, that was that was NITFA with the inner shachayama because it was only it was for at 4 o'clock in the afternoon to be opened in the next 24 hours if I'm opening something that was never opened then I'm opening something that was made 10 years ago in Pampers in the So that's much more then you have to rely on the second cool why is Velcro different than Pampers? Valker we assume is nothing Valkor is like hooks Valkor is this little I and mean, billion little little hooks and uh, it's like it's like buttons the person can say it's not stuck, it's a million little, little hooks that are, that are lashed onto, uh, onto the other piece. If you look at Bupa really, really carefully, you'll see that it's not sticky Bukla. Okay, good. Okay, so we have Rosh we have our happy baby, we have our full uh, baby, we have our uh, full baby, baby it's clean and ready, everything's good, wonderful. So, what we'd like to do with this baby is now you want to uh, play with the baby a little bit. So uh, that runs a whole other series of rounds. A lot, a lot of issues involved in terms of uh, playing with your baby, playing with your children on Shabbos. So we'll go back a little bit to talk about, forget about the little teeny babies, what about the older children? So there are certain things that older children are not supposed to be doing on Shabbos also. So obviously, it obvious they're not shouldn't be doing things that are mamash malachas on Shabbos. There are certain kinds of activities that are not quite shabbos there, so they're off-limits for uh, adults, but those kinds of activities are a little bit more lenient with uh, concerning children. So one of the things that comes to mind is playing ball. So, anyone over the age of Babas Mitzvah should not be playing any ball in any shape or form on Shabbos and Yantis. That's a, uh, a potentially very, very uh, serious violation of what's called Shabbos and Shabbos and Tishbos. And what the Ramban describes of Shabbos and Hashem, which Shabbos is supposed to be a day of Menuch and Kadush, etc. So, ball, generally speaking, doesn't fit into that uh, perspective. However, the Peloski Mun makeup for uh, children under the age of Babas Mitzvah I want to you know, play a little uh, toss around ball, not to have organized uh, softball leagues, but to play around ball a little bit. So that would probably be okay for children under the age of rabbi's mitzvah. That applies not only to things such as book, applies to all kinds of other games and, you know, uh, board games, and even things that don't have outright malachas involved in them. Certain kinds of games may have real malachas, or potentially surim involved with them, even those things that are very powerful kinds of games, so they're not things that are in the spirit of Shabbos. That's what the Shemek Shabbos the Chassa, when he introduces the simon about uh, about playing games on Shabbos, so he writes that this whole simon is only for kids under Barbas. I and mean, he's not really talking about adults because adults shouldn't do any of these things on Shabbos. But for those who are under of Barbas, say you have to know what's really us. What's really uh, what's really on Sometimes you have a situation where uh, it's uh, mihud hara. Sometimes you have you feel that if you have certain uh, people in certain stages in their religious development, that if you don't want to play games on Shabbos, they could end up playing on the phone on Shabbos. Okay, so then you have to figure out. So then maybe it's better for them to play Monopoly than to be a text on Shabbos. That's, uh, that's another story. But if a person is asking as a and what you should do on Shabbos, and the answer is over. Oh, Baba's mitzvah it's not a time to be playing any kind of board games whatsoever. But for the little kids, so it's okay. We just have to be careful that there are no real outright yisurim that are that are being involved. When it comes to um, playing with the kids, so there are uh, other kinds of things that you have to be aware of. Let's say uh, one of the common shadows that comes up with little little babies. Are the issues of the baby swings. So you want to stick a baby into the swings, and so they're great. You stick them in the swing, and you turn it on, and then the baby swings for 10 hours, and you can, maybe, you can go to sleep, whatever you, do, whatever you want. So, I mean, you should try to, probably be that a supervised. probably shouldn't go to sleep, they should be supervised in some degree, the baby swings are great. The problem is, what's their status on And so There are two kinds of baby swings, there are wind-up swings, and there are battery swings. So the old-style swings, everyone thought those are great, one will possibly be and wind it up, the baby hits, it's was Fantastic. So that's not so posh. So wind-up swings are a general question of wind-up toys. Are wind-up toys permissible on Shabbos? So what's the shaila? So it's a throwback to wind-up watches. So there's a famous pzachet Echayodah that says that if you wind a watch on Shabbos, that's a malachadirai samachmavavadish. Probably none of you have ever wound a watch in your life. In the old days, when I was a little boy, so if you didn't wind a watch after a few hours, after a day, it stopped. So the winding up of a watch is a malachadirah. So why? Because when the wind, when the watch stops, it's not working, it's not functioning. It's broken, it's not functioning. Now, but I wind, it's makhu Patish. So some wanted to extrapolate from that chayodam that when you wind up a little car or something, you wind up a little truck, you wind up a swing, anything that requires that wind up motion, is a potential malachadirah to makhu And others questioned whether that comparison is correct. Others argued that that maybe you can argue that. When you have a watch where it's not telling the time, so there's something wrong with the watch. If I look at my watch and it's not telling the right time, so it's not functioning as a watch. Whereas when you have a car, it's not wound up, that's what you want it to be doing right now. You don't want the car to be on 24 hours a day, running all around your house. Sometimes it's on, sometimes it's off. When it comes to a watch, you would really want it to be running the whole time, but never hooking. You. You, uh, you have to wind it up every once in a while to keep it going. But when it stops, so then it's not functioning. Whereas a car, wound-up car, wound-up swing, you don't want to walk to your house 24-7 and your swing is always moving. So it's not not functioning. It's doing what it's supposed to be doing. So maybe that's not called broken. So maybe the winding it up is, is just called using the swing. It's not really called making It's not called fixing the swing. So that's a very opposite as far as some folks accepted, others disagreed with. So some didn't like that idea of using a wind-up uh, swing. So if you don't like the wind-up swings, you have to use the battery swings. The problem with the battery swings is you can't press the battery in, so what are you going to do? So you'd have to put the battery you'd have to start it from before Shabbos. you have to uh, press the swing to go on. And now you have to have the swing uh, sitting, in your, uh, sitting in your house in the arm position for the whole uh, Shabbos. <laughs> so the, uh, that's what we used to do. When my uh, oldest daughter was born, so we lived in the Heights. So there were a limited amount of uh, activities too in the Heights and Shabbos. So we had a swing, and it was a battery swing, and we started the swing, and that was entertainment. But then after the first Shabbos of doing it, I realized... Now, wait a second, the makes a lot of noise. So, if it makes a lot of noise, that's the problem of bashmiya kol. The Gemara says in the end of the first bit of Shabbos that even though we and Shabbos says, Kalim is you're allowed to set up a system from before Shabbos. Let's say the Mishnah says, you're allowed to set up an animal trap from before Shabbos. If the animal gets trapped by itself on Shabbos, that's okay. The says, that's the a there's no way so says Caleb. The only thing is, the Gemara says, what you can't do is you can't, let's say, set up a water wheel, or a grinding grain. You can't set up the system from before Shabbos. Why? Because it's Mashmiyah because it makes a lot of noise. And what's wrong with that? So we shouldn't have different nuances of what the problem is. Either it's a Hashashimar Sayyid, or it's a Hashim that people are going to think that you're doing Malacha, or it's just uh, uh, an option mils, so it's a Zelus of the Shabbos. It's just embarrassing to Shabbos that you have a big racket of Malacha making, being done in your house. So for a variety of reasons, that's how a least bit of Ramaphos, that anything that, any system that's set up before Shabbos that makes a lot of noise is problematic. So I was wondering that maybe this is, falls under that category. Maybe one shouldn't uh, one shouldn't use it. This is part of a general question: How much noise is noise? How loud does it have to be in order to be called a shmirakol? So Rambam has is a famous shuva where he writes that he thinks that uh, if it's so loud you can hear it out of the room that it's in. So he close the door and you can still hear it in the adjacent room. He thought that that was a problem with call, But so low you can't hear it outside. So then it doesn't really. That's not really called drawing attention to itself. And that would be a problem. That's where Moshe asked at a long class in Shabbos. He said, that You can't set up an alarm classroom before Shabbos because it's a call, unless it's such a low alarm that you can't hear in the next room. The problem is, with such a low alarm, you're probably not going to hear it in your room either. It's going to be a waste of time. So Moshe had a lot of problems with long class. Not everyone agreed to Moshe, others disagreed for other reasons. I've told over the famous story, I'm uh, sure, many, many times, that when we first got married, so we, uh, I used to, I uh, came to that realization that now i got to get up myself Shabbos morning than- for I I was in the dorm, so, so we bang on the door. And now uh, well, I was home, so my father would wake me up. And now well, I was on my home, had to get up. So I set an alarm. So I figured, that eh, it's a very, very low alarm, so it's not going okay, to a slow alarm for Shabba, so it's not such much a call. I didn't think it would meet those criteria much. And then uh, I was doing that for a couple of weeks. And then one, uh, one morning, I had, um, I had already uh, left the house early, and I set the alarm for my wife to be a little bit later. And I was downstairs. We lived on the fifth floor, 187th in the fifth floor. And a window was open by a bedroom, and then I could hear the alarm from downstairs. So it was much louder than I had thought it was. And I realized, thought, oh that's a serious problem with Shemir. So from then on, I stopped using uh, alarm blocks. So here's what babies help me try. <laughs> Once you have a baby, then you don't have to ever worry about alarm. Now, you said before that, if the door is closed. So if the window is closed, would you have an aid to hear? Uh, i do not sure. I don't. If you throw a pillow or a blanket over it, would like, lower the noise? Be fine. You mean before? Before it goes off? Yeah. Not when? it you mean before no, when it goes off? No, but that, for that minute that's going off. So that's the meshmirkol. That's the So if you put you wake up. You know, no. the last seconds,
1: yeah,
0: yeah, so you have to put the pillow on beforehand. The problem is you probably won't hear it. Anyway, back to the story. So, so we stopped using those uh, those swings. Uh, the wind-up swings that were a problem with machmalpathish maybe, and the battery swings with cheshashim meshmirkol. Again, a lot of people are making on the up swings. Some people do, some people tell me. But why are air conditioning okay? That's the multi dollar question. I don't want to answer why air conditioning is okay because basically everything I said, it should be awesome, right? Yeah. So somehow, for some reason, uh, we're not sure why that air conditioning is wrong with that. Don't press me on it because we may we may have to ask the air conditioning. So uh, it's a good question. No. I don't know, I don't know, I don't know Okay, whatever, the air conditions, the folks can assume air conditions are okay It's understood that it's okay One could argue that that, um, Especially the way we have air conditions now are Probably much better than the old If you have the units, there may be a little more of a problem Because the units are things that you turn on and off when. when you have central air, it's usually on, on an automated system And it goes on on its own So there are more rights that Mishmikol only applies to things That People, when they hear the sound, they'll think, oh, the guy's doing malacha. So there are more rights about grandfather clocks. He talks about the old clock with dong every hour. So there are more rights that's not a problem with everybody knows that they set up uh, for weeks and months in advance. They've got own system, so to speak. So anything that's that's the kach to be in a regular system that's never touched every Friday, so that was never that wouldn't be a problem. So that's why our system, central air, is probably okay, but the units would be more of a problem the units are usually not on thermostats, they usually just press one the- off. What did that apply to the alarm clock? No, that's not a probably the alarm clocks. Because alarm clocks, people switch all the time. People set alarms very often the night before, depending on what time they want to get up in the morning. So let's say uh, let's say on your phone. So I have like 15 different possible settings for different times. Monday's a different time than even Tuesday and Sunday's a different time. So, uh, you know, there are lot, a lot of different times. So I'm not sure that alarms will be more time. I don't think most you know, person would assume you set it beforehand. No, but a person may think you set it Friday night. It means it's not the same as a grandfather. Grandfather clocks, people set. They, they build the clock, they set it for, for six months in advance. No one's going to, th- when they hear an air conditioning go off on shops say, like, ooh, the guy set his air conditioning on Friday night. But when you hear an alarm going off, so you're initially, ra- how many people set their alarm every night before they go to sleep? Okay, so, rope, rope, round okay. Yeah. I have two questions about, um, one, voice. us, um, like a self winding watch, like you it winds up uh, by you the Yeah, that's a big big shadow. A big big shadow those uh, kind of watches. Uh, uh sound right where that was on top. Uh there, it's uh it's a big shadow I'm not saying it's outright I was thinking it was a big shadow. Uh, uh because like, it, it, it might still be working even if you hadn't been winding it up now. Uh, it uh, been, uh, like uh, yeah I, I, don't know, I don't know I don't know I don't know. Okay. Um <laughs> uh-huh. and the other question is um uh, about playing ball or playing board games with uh children if you're the kids under Bar Mitzvah, but you're not. But I mean, you're you're doing it because you're because otherwise the kids not gonna do anything. It's gonna drive you crazy. Right. So I, I would split and say, boy, I think under no circumstances should be playing ball even with the kid under Bar Mitzvah. Well, or with a board game. With a board game, <laughs> you know, the kids gonna has no other uh, thing to do and is gonna so it's for your own It's for your Saturdays. You know. <laughs> Yeah, so it's, not chadish, chadish, so it's not clear what the Chadish said, what, what the said about that. There were different opinions with the I remember when I was a little boy, so we still had those kind of watches that were common. So I remember my grandmother, Lashom, told us that, I guess when she was a girl in Europe, they always said it's okay. She said that as long as it... That's just because the rub and Harshtetl in Galicia said that. I and mean, everyone said that. But she said that she always knew when she grew up, they always told her that as long as the watch is still going, you're allowed to keep on going on it. But again, I don't know whether everybody held it. With. There were some people who held it. With. There were different opinions about that. You can argue, it's not broken. As the phrase goes, if it ain't, bro-, you know, ain't broken, don't fix it. So it's not It's not broken. It's not shame broken. Yeah, it's a good svar to say that it's okay. But I don't know, not everyone Okay, good. So now we have a baby. We So we just closed the swing. The swing's not going to work. We have nothing to do with this kid. So the next thing you do, is you got to take him outside for a walk. Place, so, oh, yeah, yeah, that's a whole problem. You just taking him outside is a problem. That's a huge problem. If there's no air, it's an insurmountable problem. So Taking a baby outside without an air is an gummer. This is in contrary to popular opinion. Most people here have grown up from uh, way before they were born in towns that had air So many of them don't know that the third night of Allah on Shabbos is called carrying. So I had this chutz of growing up and uh, I grew up in a very normal Jewish community called Riverdale and there was no air until I was 11, 10, 11 years old. So at least I remember what it was like without, uh, without an air Some people go to out-of-town places and once in a while you find yourself in a place and there's no air So you have to be aware of... Uh, some people don't follow... They don't rely on the air so you have to know what they're doing so the din is that you're not allowed to carry a, a child or a baby or anything on Shabbos. Even though the child is able to walk by themselves, that's called chai no se satsa, that would have around. You're not skill if you carry a five-year-old kid, We still sit there about Chai is not a mom, it's just a there. If the baby is not able to walk, then according to of Shom, that would be mamashadera isa. So bottom line is, under no circumstances can you push baby carriages to carry babies, anything, any shape or form, if there's no air. You cannot carry a baby, you cannot wear your baby, you can't put them in a snuggler, none of that works. I remember a few years ago, the, the arrow fell down until they were Shabbos. So a woman called her for Shabbos. She wants to know, can she, can she wear her baby? She's not cancer. her. She's can wear the baby. So that question would only be asked by someone who grew up with an arrow. No, no, you're not allowed to wear a baby. <laughs> <laughs> if, you have a, if you have the child walking and the child and sits down and refuses. Yeah, oh, so folks can discuss that. So let's say you're taking a baby, you're taking a kid, a two-year-old kid or something for a walk and there's no air, but then the kid decides, that kind of like, it depends where they, where they stop. So if they stop in the middle of uh, the street and the car's whizzing by, well, you pick the kid up, it's quick, this possible out of the street, it's so, but if the kid parks himself somewhere it's not, what do you do? So there are different options. So first thing you do, you try to bribe the kid. I and mean, That doesn't work. So then uh, you try other other methods. So if there's a guy who you trust, you know, uh, a babysitter or something, or a neighbor or someone who's easily available to help, then uh, you do that. I remember once with uh, one of my boys, I don't want to say which one of was, but one of my boys, so this goes back many, many years ago, we were in a certain community once, uh, which had a very, very questionable area, I don't want to say which community it was, but it was a Shabbos, and it was not an area that we were comfortable with. So uh, one of my boys uh, decided, at the age of two, that he would walk Ad Khan and not a step further. So we, um, one of my wife and myself had to wait with the baby there, and the other one went like to the wonderful to neighbor well, like a babysitter or something in the house. So the gracious babysitter came to uh, pick him up and carry him the rest of the way. So he was not a happy camper to say the least. So uh, we walked along with the babysitter, but that was uh, again yeah, that would be a rabbanon a a a with a shuls and whatever it is. mounted not that. So those are things you don't uh, you don't want to uh, have. Um, if you uh, if all else fails, so then maybe maybe. Uh, the kid's screaming, and it's a makum tzar, and maybe a pachas pachas daladam, those uh, situations, you no know, wonder, the bottom line is, is that don't take your kid out for a walk unless you're pretty convinced that they're going go to go the distance. We use a can to carry? No no, 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 we're talking about using a time. We're going to walk with that. But, so, uh, you can't, you can't uh, push baby carriages. What about having a goi push a baby carriage for the Let's say you go, there's a very common child, you go away for Shabbos, and there's no here. You want to hire a, a goi to push a baby carriage for you? So, one in theory could make a case that it's okay, because it's probably Durabhanim anyway, because it's probably a Carmelist in most of that <coughs> areas are uh, probably not with They're their for a variety of reasons. So, we have a general rule that you're allowed to ask a to do a Durabhanim, it's some kind of a Mokha Mitzvah. It's a big Mokha Mitzvah. Let's say, let's say you're going for Shabbos, and the uh, wife's going to be stuck, she won't be able to come to have the Suda with everybody else, she won't be able to get the Shulp, the Ba Mitzvah. So, you have a lot of these kinds of tzirach, 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 and mitzvah. So, maybe you could say it's a Shvist, a It's okay. In the posthum, are very weary about this because it sometimes sets up a certain degree of laxity in terms of pushing baby carriages, in terms of the care of babies in general. So therefore, the can write that if you live in a place where the Olam doesn't do this, that the Olam doesn't consider this to be within the normal spirit of Shabbos, you shouldn't be the guest to come to walk in the and have a higher grade to push a baby carriage. But if you're in a place where there's no real mini-kabua, you know, anyway, nobody really knows too much about... Uh, about Shabbos anyway, so then, uh, and then it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't it be the end of the world to have a push a baby carriage. The same kind of things you have in terms of wheelchairs, these kinds of shilas you have where I probably mukta based on but to shush, but apopichem, it shouldn't become a Zilho Shabbos. Somebody called me recently, that they were in uh, Iceland for Shabbos. And um, somebody one uh, well, of the kids got hurt, and uh, they had to go like... The, they needed to walk like for an hour in Shabbos and they realize the kids no ways to be able to walk. And they wanted to know, can they get a goi like to push the kid, it wasn't a baby, it was a older kid. Can they get to the, have a goi push the kid in a wheelchair to get him to shul, get the suit or whatever it was? So they were basically asking the lumbus of a shuss uh, you know, mix something like that. So they they prefaced the question very, very uh humorously, they didn't realize how humorous it was, but they, they it was like a little misunderstanding of halacha. He said to me that that well isn't it okay to carry in Iceland because there aren't six hundred thousand people in the whole country that, that that's not a uh, that wasn't exa- that was like a misunderstanding of a principle of the and that has nothing to do with anything so uh, the bottom line is is that I I asked half jokingly but well, what's the meaning in Iceland do people do this or not said, it's the meaning in Iceland nobody knows it was a it's, they keep Shabbos, because they know about Shabbos in Iceland. So I said, it's probably about the spake Why? Because number one, it's probably about the Number two, it's probably not even Shabbos, because we're not even sure what Shabbos is in Iceland, so we're not even sure that's the right day in Iceland. I didn't want to confuse them too much. Anyway, so if you're in a place where it's, uh, there is no minig that's treated as a little Shabbos, it's a very, very big So you should ask Eshola, ask Eshola, ask to figure out whether it's appropriate to do this. But in the normal circumstances, for you to push a baby carriage is absolutely out of the question, and even to have a guy do it is not the greatest thing generally
1: more Mayfield in Iceland and, and speak out on Shabbos? No, it's a joke.
0: I'm not sure that... I'm not, I talk, I don't know when Shabbos is in Iceland, but I exactly. when, uh, whatever Shabbos is, it is. Okay, fine. <clears throat> when you have a uh, baby carriage, so just the baby carriage itself could potentially be a problem. The opening and closing the hood of the baby carriage may be a problem of a CSOL. So the answer is it's probably not an OL because it's already connected to the carriage beforehand. So uh, this was a big machikist. Mishon read a machikist. Moish the Chaznish. It's a big tomb in the postage. But many a mekel. As long as the hood is already connected to the carriage so the opening and closing is probably not such a serious problem. If you want to put something else na on say you want to put on a netting or something or put some blankets on the top so that would be more of a problem than a CSOL. So you would have to uh, make sure that it was on from before Shabbos and it was spread out already at Tafach. The Gemara says that if you what's called Moish the it's only a temporary kind of an oil. As long as the oil was already spread out of that it was already made from beforehand, you want to open it a little bit more, close it a little more, that would be okay. So, But it was just the hood of the baby carriage itself, so many possible make, it. you can open and close that uh, at, uh, whenever you deem it necessary. Okay, so we have a, uh, the baby ate, the baby cleaned up, the baby uh, played a little bit, took a walk, and we're good to go. Now, uh, hopefully it should have happened, but sometimes the baby gets hurt. Sometimes the kid gets hurt. So uh, what are the guidelines uh, of, uh, of dealing with uh, children that do that? So there's a general uh, assumption that at least little children, it's not clear exactly what the color point is, little children tend to be like Chayelon and Shabbos. They're usually not Chalashyeish for unless it's something out of the ordinary. They're usually like a Chalashyein by sakana. As a Chalashyein be Sakona, there are certain coolas that are, you can tell So, One of the kudas is Amir Yacham. Amir is Muta lagamri for Rishper Chalashyein by that's a Tereh Shegemara. So whatever's necessary for a little baby, you can do ayadei uh, Goy. What if you don't have a Goy around? So then there's another potential coup cool, it's called doing this kaliyah hayyad. So the, there's a big macholek, it's in the Psalms, what exactly are you allowed to do kaliyah hayad for, for a choyla? assuming that the baby is, is in that category, the young child is in that category of being a choyla. So um, according to the Shemunov, the only thing you're allowed to do for a, uh, a choyla, for a baby, is a dirabon and kaliyah hayad. It's almost like a double dirabon. If, you have, if it's a dirabon anyway and you're doing kaliyah hayad, that would be okay. And according to others, it may be muttered to do with their rice at Keliyah um, It's all but then how hey, you read the Ramban. The Ramban has said something, Shukrach, and interpreted the Ramban one way, and others point out the Ramban doesn't seem to say that. So there are different opinions in the contemporary post as to whether we can be muttered outright their the rice as well as the Keliyah Hayyad. The Shavu Shabbat Yulchase quotes from Shlomo Zaman, who was willing to remake them. It's a shasr, it's always all the a shasr, haks. So if you're really stuck, there's no other way to do it. So then you can even be muttered their the rice. So we run into these kinds of things, Very often with electricity, let's say you have a, um, a baby needs a uh, nebulizer or something, so you have to turn on and off the nebulizer at different times of the day and night, so if you have a go around, so great, that would be the best thing to do. If you don't have a go around, so then uh, you could just do a keliah So you turn on the thing with the back your elbow, you do it in a manner, and that's probably okay. It could be a okay according to the Shulchanuch also, depending on what you think about electricity without lights. So if you believe the electricity that lights is on the on anyways, so and then even according to the shacharach would be motor. If you think like the chazanisha, electricity that lights is a deraisa. So then you would have to rely on the mikilim more, saying you can even do deraisas. So when all the dust settles, if you really really need to do kind of electric stuff, yeah that would be okay. This is also a throwback a little bit to the diapers. I should have mentioned when you came about diapering, you have to put on cream. So the what's the name of the diaper cream? Every time I forget this. No, no, that I know, but we say A and, which is what, A and what? A and D, a and D. I never remember. A and B is the good. Full division, A and D is the diaper cream. And every time my wife has told me to buy one, I bought the other. Okay, so you have to give So you want to put on the diaper cream, so putting on the cream itself is a potential molacha, because it's, it's a memareach. You're, you're smoothing out the surface. So that's a shout. But if you have a girl, you should babysitter or somebody around uh, to do it for you. That's the best case okay, scenario. If you don't, you're going to make those aduuk and You just kind of plop uh, the cream on and just instead of rubbing it in you just plop it on, and you just put the diaper on and that's not the normal way of spreading cream when you shove the diaper onto the blob of the cream, so it's probably butter anyway it's kaliyah hayyad, even if they're ice it's probably butter anyway, so kaliyah is a very very good thing to be aware of when you're dealing with children you have to make sure that you're doing your a and again, according to some posts only there are according to others if you really start even their ice as well as they're being done today. So after putting on the cream can you, can you it with the diaper? Is that also you on the back of your hand is that it is a person put on moisturizer that way? Well, for for adults or children? For adults. For adults, so moisturizer is another problem. The problem with moisturizer is do people who have <coughs> no problems with their hands put it on also? So if people only put it on when they have dry skin, then it's like a refuge job is also if it's something that that healthy people do, it's like Michael Bruce, it's like I mean a cup of tea when you have a sore throat, it's more because people drink tea without sore throats. So how many people put on moisturizer without having any problems in the skin? Some women but on dead. Yeah, women do it. Yeah, they do that too. Right, well, women do it. So the women mouth before the men. I don't know, I'm not sure. I, don't know. I think about that. Okay, anyway, back to that story. Another shadow that very, very, uh, hopefully doesn't happen but uh, something happened, the kid gets hurt, gets caught and now you have to figure out you know, whether your need, you child needs stitches or not. So again, this is true for adults also just that kids tend to be the ones who may more stitches than adults. So sometimes, uh, first thing, you have to make sure there's no real serious gochnevesh here. You have to, if there's any cut that looks like it's uh, potentially uh, dangerous to you, you have to have somebody professionally assess it, whether there's any hashash of So You want to make sure that that it's treated appropriately. Sometimes the doctor or the the DMT or the tzoling guy is going to say to you, this has to be stitched up. So the question is, so what does that mean? So, So when does that stitching have to take place? So it depends. So very often, stitches does not have to take place that split second, but it has to take place uh, fairly soon. So you don't want the cut to get infected. So uh, let's assume that uh, the Taif Matzala can't wait till... Uh, it's not safe to wait until the Shabbos. we got to get this done uh, right away. Fine. So you go to the emergency room and you're getting, getting ready to get stitches, and then they start to stitch up the baby. Let's say it's a Jewish doctor. A firm guy they're stitching up the baby and stitching up the baby, and you're counting the stitches, and you realize that... Uh, Maybe this cut only needs 10 stitches to be not the Kor Nefesh. And now the doctor wants to do 20 stitches. Why? Because it'll look nicer with 20 stitches. Is that a problem with this. So is that already past the threshold of the Kor Nefesh? So Rosh Homazan was making a lot of lumbus as to why he was making a variety of different coolers. Rosh Homazan was makil, and not everyone agreed with the lumbus of Rosh on this one, Rosh Homazan was makil outright in the shadow that as long as there's a medical of the potential Tzurk, Nefesh tzurk to start the stitching process, you're allowed to finish it kedakkur. So, I think that's what all the doctors were the and Shabbos are relying on, and all the mothers of the shoreline this, and if I keep your mouth shut, then this uh, happens to your baby. So, Kedai or Shomazaman was and that's uh, finished. But again, there's but it's, it's a lot of fascinating lumbus in the Shayla, but it has to do with the singers in Shabbos about the Pirishah Tzitzich, Imach or samila? the one mindset, two mindset, the There's a lot of lumbus, but all the dust that Shomazaman was making on the Shayla. Okay, good. Another thing to be aware of about children in Shabbos and children in Cholot Kula is that you're not allowed to cause children to do Haveras. You're not allowed to feed trefers to a child. You're not allowed to cause, let's say if you have a baby going company you're not allowed to take him for a shitsir into the, you're know, you not allowed to take him to, a, to walk in the cemetery. You're not allowed to actively cause a baby to do any kind of an Havera, even if the child is low yield any degree of chinif whatsoever. The same is true when it comes to Shabbos. I can't cause a child to call Shabbos. I'm not allowed to ask a child to call Shabbos for me. So if there's no error, I can't ask him to carry something from me, I can't ask him to turn on lights, I can't ask him to turn on fire, I can't ask him to do anything. Whatever you're not allowed to do, you're not allowed to ask a child to do. There is a lamb to as to what the nature of that is. Yisra When I ask a child to do, is that cause an act of Shabbos for that? Or is that, is that like a din prati and whole Shabbos? Or that was like a din kloli of, you're not allowed to generally be mach shal ketanam and he served. There's a famous ma'aist of Chaim that... Uh, that um, in the olden days in Europe they used to have air of it in town to enable people to carry their children because no one had ovens. So there was one big baker's oven for the whole town. People would bring their, oven, their children before Shabbos and they would come Shabbos boy to pick up their children. So the air fell down and we didn't have children that you this So one time the air fell down so Rebbe was a rather brisk so he sat by the baker's oven all day telling people not to carry their children back. So a mother came with a little daughter under the age of bestment to pick up the children and Rebbe Chaim told her you, you can't carry the children because there's no air so she said, okay, I won't carry the children. So she turns to door and says, uh, Riftala, you take the children. If you're not allowed to do it, so then you're not allowed to... do ah, it. She didn't believe it. So she told her, made her daughter carry the children. So the way the story goes, Chaim told the shamans to go to the, this woman's house and to tell her husband she threw out all the wine in the house because his, his wife is in the Chalashad, is that's where the story goes. So she didn't do any She didn't pick up the children. She asked that daughter to, uh, to carry the children. So well, when I first heard the story, I said, this sounds like a very, uh, very, very stark, very, very strong story. So then, uh, years later, I realized I chapped the p'sha'at uh, in the story. Rebchaim Moizer has a tshuva, but he quotes Rebchaim. Rebchaim Moizer and that they were contemporaries. Rebchaim was a little younger. He quotes from Rebchaim Briska, that he once heard Rebchaim, who, who, uh, who asked the kasha, he said, the Gemara Lodzah from Subrim, he's not allowed to cause a child to do any of So why do you need What is a famous kasha? What are you to tell me that you're not allowed to do malacha, Your child can't do the The Binchon, the pasuk is not over by mitzvah. That's atah already. That means you can't ask your child to do a melacha. Atah bivul tefillah. What do you need a pasuk for? Well, typically, that you can't ask your child to do anything for you. So come to Reb Chaim instead. that who laid the pasuk? It would have been in just an isa klali, but it wouldn't have been called an issa chul shabbos. Kamash b'lo, that it's an issa It's an issa chul shabbos. So once I saw that Shitilatay from Reb Chaim in the name of Reb Chaim, then I chab shat in the story. But Chaim held that you don't become to Kaakum by being violating a din cloli of not feeding your child traces. But if you're Machal Shavas, then you call the Machal Shavas a uh, That was the beauty of the story. Anyway, whether the story's right, not right, but the story happened, didn't happen, I can't tell you. But the bottom line is, is that you're not allowed to ask your child to do anything, anything you're not allowed to do, so you're not supposed to uh, have your child uh, do a few either. So yeah, be careful, both in shabbos as well as in the culture. Okay, this will uh, happen up here. Okay. There's, let's say there's a, a light on, it's not supposed to be, and um, the child goes, you turn it off, you didn't tell, you have to stop? So it depends, if you get a kid up or not, if the child's a kid up or not, we stop, we'll get a kid up, then they can do it again. Before Joe's came up, he's a kid, it's like, it's kicking, and the world kick off. That's another story, so, so, I'm not. I'm holding one thinking, can I Can I place the child, kid's a two year old, can I place him in front of something, that I know he's going to do it on his own, without even realizing he's doing to me? That's probably okay. If I'm holding him and he's kicking. So he may be an extension of my hand. That's maybe a little bit worse. But if I just plop the kid down and I, as I put a, you know, uh, I put a candy on top of the a switch or something and hope that he'll grab for it. So that's probably more than to- you're looking because I'm not, I'm not encouraging him to do it, and he doesn't even realize that he's doing anything for me. That would probably be okay. But that's only if he's very, 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 very young. Okay. All right. Thank you. Did everybody sign for Please sign the street? So weird, no. uh, uh, this uh, guy's uh, going uh, uh, So it's uh, really uh, going
1: to That's a good attitude.